0: Welcome to the Residential Movement. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Macieski, a house call dentist with a lot of passion for dental home care. I'm here to encourage, equip, and empower dentists like you to begin offering dental services at the residences of patients who are best served at home. Listen in as we talk dentistry, business, ethics, mindset, and more, and learn how you can become a part of the Residential Movement. Welcome to this week's episode. As much as I love sharing my experience as a house call dentist with all of you, I really think it benefits you to hear from other mobile dentists as well, because all of us practice slightly differently. Learning from as many people as possible also increases the likelihood of you finding a mentor that can help you begin offering dental home care services. Today, you'll get the chance to hear a conversation between myself and one of my most supportive colleagues, fellow mobile dentist, Dr. Amanda Amaro. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello everyone. Today we are joined by Dr. Amanda Amaro of Tranquility Health. She is another mobile dentist based in California, the San Francisco Bay Area, and she's here to share her story with you about her service, Tranquility Health. So let's welcome Dr. Amanda. Hello. (laughs)
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Thanks for being on the show today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks for being here because our listeners are dying to hear about different mobile dental models. Mine's obviously a little bit different than yours. So I want you to elaborate on the service that you offer and how you're incorporating mobile dentistry into your career.
1: Sure. So my mobile practice is called Tranquility Health, and we provide on-site dental care to senior living communities. So primarily assisted living, um, a few independent living communities, and then also memory care communities. Um, We have portable equipment that we bring on site and we see residents within the community, typically either in the hair salon or their private rooms.
0: Wow. So you're using rooms already available at the site for patients to be able to easily access you. You just go right to where they live.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because a lot of times these residents have difficulty leaving. And a lot of times families don't really feel comfortable with having them go on a shuttle. Sometimes the communities have shuttles, but the families just don't like the idea of them going alone, or it's difficult for the families to take them to the dental office. Sometimes we see patients that are bedridden. So it's just making sure that everyone is getting the care they need in the most comfortable place available.
0: Absolutely. So, you mentioned before three different types of facilities. Do you mind elaborating for listeners what the differences might be between the three?
1: Yeah. So, independent living um, is more like a retirement home. So, those are residents who really, you know, oftentimes have their own car. Um, they can probably travel to an outside dentist, but sometimes they just prefer the convenience of having me come to them. Um, then I would say, The most residents that I see fall into assisted living. And so assisted living um, is for residents that need a little bit of help with daily activities of life. Um, A lot of them have help with medications because that can get really confusing, especially as they become on more and more medications. Um, So that's really helpful. Um, Bathing, um, toileting, stuff like that. And then memory care is for residents that have dementia or Alzheimer's.
0: So I have a feeling just because you and I have spoken before, I know that you have a special heart for patients who have dementia or Alzheimer's. And how did you realize that that was a patient population that you were called to work with?
1: Sure. So I think after visiting so many senior living communities, I found that most of the people that work there had a really special connection with family. And for me, it was the same. So longevity runs in my family. My grandmother lived to be 101.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) Yes, And so when I was in dental school, I was visiting her every weekend, um, even during the week sometimes. And then um, she lived a a wonderful life, but she did pass um, my junior year of dental school. And I realized I totally missed not only her, but also just visiting her community. So Mm -hmm. I reached out to a professor, like a um, a visiting professor that we had in our geriatrics course. And he um, would provide dental care to a nearby nursing home. So I started tagging along with him in dental school, realized right away that I absolutely loved working with this patient population. Um, And so then after I graduated, I started working for someone else who had a mobile practice one day a week um, and then eventually transitioned to my own.
0: Good for you. That's wonderful during dental school, before you had even started practicing, you kind of already knew this might be something you were interested in?
1: Yeah, I just kind of fell into this niche. Um, you know, some, this, this sounds really horrible. Some people are really into kids. I'm just really into older adults. It's just my comfort level. I love visiting with them. I love hearing their life stories this is a topic for another podcast, but I'm a career changer. I was a high school history teacher before I entered dentistry. So oh, wow. I like hearing those personal histories. Um, it's just really fun to visit with them too. So it's the best of both worlds. I get to do dentistry and visit and make someone's day. So, and and they make my day too. So it's awesome.
0: Wonderful. No, there's nothing horrible about saying that or admitting the types of patients that you feel best suited to work with. That's what everyone should be doing, right? Like if you want to specialize in a certain specialty or patient population, it takes all kinds, you know? (laughs) Totally. So you are a mobile dentist. You visit different facilities. What does your typical workday look like? Are you visiting more than one each day?
1: There's a lot of flexibility in my schedule. My days look pretty different from day to day. But I would say like an ideal day for me would be seeing two communities, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, um, and seeing multiple residents at that at those communities. Um, sometimes it works out that way. Some days it doesn't. But I would say that's a, an ideal and a, a typical day for me. There's a lot of logistics involved. So I do have an office manager that helps me figure out which communities are nearby and how to logistically figure out. So I'm not, you know, driving too far from one area to another. I do a driving radius of about like 45 minutes from my office. So I do have a a centralized office. And so I try not to drive more than 45 minutes. And so we clump the communities where they're closest together.
0: Very smart. Now your centralized office, are you seeing patients chair side there or is it a central administrative office?
1: It's purely administrative. And then I also sterilize my equipment here. So we store all of our instruments and equipment here. We sterilize at the end of the day. And then my office manager is here answering phones and doing all of the front office, if you will, stuff here.
0: Of course. Very nice. So you mentioned your office manager being there during the day. Do you have other team members who work with you?
1: Not yet, but I would love to hire some. <laughs> oh,
0: hey. She might be hiring everyone. <laughs> Tell me more about the outreach that you do. I know you spend a lot of time at these communities, obviously providing care, but I've seen you on Instagram doing other fun things there, too.
1: Yeah. So um, we do in-services for care staff. One of the things that I learned pretty early on is that um, the care staff are wonderful human beings. They have like the best hearts ever, but some of them just are not well-trained in oral hygiene, and it's to no fault of their own. I didn't even know like that you're supposed to brush in circles till I went to dental school. So I try to, you know, make it very, I try to break the ice and make it comfortable for them. There's definitely no finger pointing, but we try to give them some tips on how to better take care of the resident's teeth and gums. Of course, flossing is a huge challenge uh, for senior living communities. So I try to um, introduce other options like the proxy brush. So we go over all of that go over signs of infection and what they can kind of look for and be aware of. Um, that would really constitute a referral to a professional. Um, so the in-services are great. We do that with the care staff. And then we also do educational lectures for residents as well, which is a lot of fun. So we'll go over common problems in older adults like uh, dry mouth, for instance. And so that's a lot of fun. And we typically give out patient goodie bags with oral hygiene products.
0: I love to see you building relationships outside of just the clinical setting, you know?
1: Oh, it's a blast. You know, I've been, Tranquility Health has been around for a year. Actually, yesterday was our one-year anniversary.
0: Happy anniversary.
1: (laughs) Thank you. You know, it's been, of course, so fun meeting the residents and their families, um, but I've also really enjoyed meeting the staff at the communities. They are so wonderful and they share a similar passion. So it's been really fun to, to meet them as well.
0: It sounds like you really found a dental practice model that works for, for you, your interests, your needs, lifestyle, everything.
1: Yeah, not only that, but you mentioned lifestyle. It's so flexible. And you know, if I need to take a day off, you know, there's so much flexibility in the scheduling. Or if I need to leave a little early one day, it's just really nice to have that flexibility.
0: So do you have any advice for dental students who are looking to venture out into the mobile dental sphere?
1: I mean, for me, I really reached out to that visiting professor from my geriatrics course, and that's how I got involved in this. My school also had a special care and geriatrics clinic within our school, so we were very fortunate to have that additional clinical experience, but I think there's nothing better than, you know, getting your hands wet and just getting involved, so finding a way to even just start with shadowing. You know, working with patients that have dementia is totally different than any other patient population. And so I think it's important to make sure that it's something that you're comfortable with, and that it's something you enjoy. Because I see this from the the community's perspective and standpoint, there's so much burnout, there's so much turnover in this staff. And so it really has to be something that you love, it really should be like a, a calling or a passion. And so I think the only way to really figure that out is to get involved and spend a lot of time doing it to make sure that it feels like a good fit for you. So for me, it was the the visiting professor in my geriatrics course. I don't know if that's like a, a common course that everybody takes in dental school. Did you take geriatrics?
0: We had a geriatric dentistry course. Okay. and It was taught by one professor. I don't think we had any visiting professors visit that class.
1: Oh, bummer. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day I'll be a visiting lecturer, who knows. There you go. Okay. But yeah, that's that's how I kind of made sure that it felt like a good
0: fit. That's a really good point because a lot of times people ask me questions like how do you become qualified to do this or how do you become qualified to practice with patients who have Alzheimer's dementia, special needs, and my answer to them is always get experience. The experience is what qualifies you eventually.
1: Totally. Uh, I 100% agree. And then the other thing that I actually would recommend is I did a little weekend course. It's a long weekend. um, And mine was online, but it's the National Council of Certified Dementia Practitioners. So you can do this course. Um, It's fantastic. I learned so much. Um, But that might be another way to quote unquote, become qualified. But I agree that experience is the best.
0: You're not wrong. Continuing education is super valuable too. Do you have any other recommendations for people, courses to take or conferences to attend?
1: You know, I went to, so I'm based in California. I went to the California Assisted Living Association Conference and they had some really great breakout seminars. Um, So if there are folks that are interested in working in assisted living, um, finding maybe some conferences that are focused on this staff that work at the assisted living um, could be helpful as well.
0: That's perfect to get more training in the allied services and just understand the different professions that we'd be interacting with too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like anybody listening to this would have gotten a lot of value. Tranquility Health has come a long way this past year. I'm very excited to see all the work that you're doing. Very proud. And thanks for sharing your time with us today. I know it's very valuable.
1: Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: She's incredible and she's so willing to correspond with all of you. If any of you listening would like to get in touch with Dr. Amanda, please visit TranquilityHealth.com. If you aren't interested in offering dental home care but would like to support those in need of it, please consider supporting the Home Smile Care Foundation. Visit HomesmileCareFoundation.org for more information. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you. That's a wrap on this episode of the Residential Movement. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to stay updated and leave me a review. If you know someone who could benefit from this info, please share this with them. All of these actions help fuel the residential movement. Thanks again for listening, Doc. Keep up the good work.